Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you, thank you for listening. If you are a college student, please turn up the radio. Your friends do not expect you to listen to the radio. They expect you to get good marks at college, so you will be a great success in your life. Thank you for listening. While eating dinner, I watched part of a movie called Dead Poets Society. Ever see that movie, Dead Poets Society? Later, 
I said to someone, I was glad I didn't see the end of it. And my friend asked me, why are you glad you didn't see the end of the movie? May I answer that question? You've heard me say many times that I only watch movies, I only read books that have happy endings. And later, while reading the Wikipedia account of Dead Poets Society, I learned that it ends like an eight-year Republican administration.
doo-doo-doo, a little superfluous to say Tatum because nobody else could have done that but Tatum. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. If you've been around for a while, you can stop listening right here because you've already heard what I'm about to say. One morning, it was revealed on television that 89% of the people polled thought that public wedding proposals were a bad idea. Now, you've seen them do this. They come on television and the football field and get in the middle of the field and ask the girl to marry them or else they'll have it flashed on a billboard. 89% of the people polled thought that this public wedding proposal is a bad idea. Now, this is certainly because as many as 75% of us have glossophobia. We read that statistically, far more of us claim that we would prefer death to giving a speech. You will remember that I was standing on a stage before 150 or so friends when, as an afterthought, halfway through my presentation, I asked my present wife, Marcia, the almost perfect woman who was sitting in the back row, if she would marry me. And now I learn that 89% of the people poll thought that public wedding proposals are a bad idea. This might be true in 89% of the cases that entailed a fuzzy-cheeked and probably half-soused boy kneeling before a blushing virgin as he repeats the formula he has seen in K. Diamond ads on television. Her lips go, yes. But when a middle-aged man proposes marriage to a widow, isn't it prudent to do it in public? Surrounded by friends?
Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time on your favorite station playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you for listening. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com because I'd love to hear from you. Marriage is a wonderful experience that no one should miss. The first few years are exciting. Not a day goes by, but what you learn something new about your partner that inevitably brings you closer together and tightens the bond of love that keeps you together. As the years pass in your average marriage, there are no new surprises. One day is much like another, and you take for granted the monotonous regularity of each other's words and actions. In a vibrant, growing marriage, however, not a day passes but what it contains a delightful surprise. Perhaps it's a little love note or a homemade birthday card tucked beneath a pillow. My wife Marcia, the almost perfect woman, and I are vacationing in a tiny camper that is moored to a house owned by our friends. Because water is vanishing when all of the faucets are turned off in the house and the camper, I suspect that there is a leak in the water pipe between the well and the house. That makes sense. Until experts can locate the leak or explain the constant running of the pump, Marsha and I have turned off the water in our sink. Two or three times a day, we turn on the pump just long enough to fill the dishpan and some water bottles. We have a water bucket in the bathroom. When I was a kid, you know, there were still a couple of houses in town without running water. And in those homes, there was a bucket of water by the sink. So we're no worse off than most everyone was in St. George, Maine in 1914. And a few that I can remember in 1945. One night, I hope you're listening carefully, one night after brushing my teeth, I dipped a glass full of water out of the bucket of water in our bathroom, you know, to rinse out my mouth. I said, this, this, this tastes like Clorox. And my wife said, oh no, it's less toil. I usually use that water there in the bathroom to wash my feet, but today I used it to wash the floor. Thank you. 
my word, we don't hear Bob Wilbur all that often, do we? Bob Wilbur and the Scott Hamilton Quartet. Everybody loves my baby, but my baby loves nobody but me, moi. I have a friend who reads newspapers. Big deal, you say? Perhaps, like you, he reads them online. But the newspapers my friend reads are over 200 years old. They tell him what was going on in Massachusetts 200 or so years ago, and he says things haven't changed all that much. When Jefferson established an embargo, the folks in Pennsylvania and Rhode Island prospered. New factories opened everywhere, producing everything. People had jobs, and everyone prospered. But the folks up in northern New England, along the coast, Wiscasset, Rockland, Machias, those involved with shipping had nothing good to say about Mr. Jefferson. <laughs> they were the parents and grandparents of the same sea captains who hated Mr. Lincoln when he shut down the slave trade a few years later. Now, you understand that the people in St. George, Maine, were in the shipping business. And when you shut down shipping 200 years ago, the folks in Wiscasset and Thomaston, Machias, they're out of work. What do you suppose would happen today if, instead of having a free trade agreement, agreement with countries where people work all day for next to nothing, all of a sudden we had to start producing all of those plastic toys here in the United States? When Jefferson established an embargo, we read that folks in Pennsylvania and Rhode Island prospered. New factories opened everywhere, producing everything. People had jobs, and everybody prospered.
Django here on The Humble Farmer, where with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. If you know how to use those computer things, if you know how to do email thing, I would love to hear from you. The other day, we were talking about a man and his brother. My friend I was talking with described the two brothers as dumb and dumber. I'd laugh. I disagreed with my friend. It was a case of sour grapes. It is my belief that any man who can steal a few trillion dollars from taxpayers, put it into the pockets of his rich friends, and still have a crowd of those who are robbed by him still admire him, well, he's far from dumb. When your basic crook steals your money, you dislike him. But don't you have to agree that any man who can rob you blind and still have your trust and admiration, well, doesn't he have an awful lot going for him?
Sounded like Scott Hamilton, didn't it? Very nice thing there. Devil in the deep blue sea. Why do I go to dentist and other appointments an hour or so early? Do you go to appointments early or do you rush in at the last minute? One of my friends says, You get there an hour early so you can worry for an extra hour. As Perot would say, A very intelligent explanation, but not true. I always try to get to my appointments at least an hour early as a courtesy to the people who are providing me with a service. And by getting there early, I don't have to worry about not getting there on time and inconveniencing someone. You know very well that sometimes the person before you drops dead or breaks a leg or something, so you get in and out an hour early. When the boy or girl behind the counter says to me, Your appointment isn't for another hour and a half, I always say, I came early as a courtesy to you. I want you to know that I appreciate your help. And that usually shuts them up right there. And of course, course I always have some language flashcards in my pocket so I can study Italian or, or Dutch or something. Perhaps I have a little book. And I actually look forward to times when I can study without feeling guilty for not producing something of value. And in a few, a very few offices, there are magazines from which I can glean insights into something that give me material for a rant I can use on this program. What do you do when you go to the doctor's office? I am the humble farmer at gmail.com and you know I'd love to hear from you.
I am very confused today. Very confused indeed. I hope I can get through here. You keep your eye on me and tell me if you notice I'm making any mistakes. I'm, as I say, I'm very confused here. I got to get back on my brain pills, I guess. Let me see if I can get through this rant. If you're ready. For the first time in a long time, I want to applaud President Obama for suggesting that we bring back something that we had 50 years ago, free college. I can remember saying when I was 15 years old or so, I can't go to college, I'm not rich. I was a veteran who had sailed around Moose Peak for two years, sailed out of Sowest Harbor, for two years before I realized that back then it was cheap and college was possible. Free college was a good idea back then, and it's a good idea now. Of course, it'll never get congressional approval, as there's nothing Republicans fear more than a population of young voters who can read. Better our young folks go in the military or clerk in a big box store where they can learn everything they need to know about the world from Fox News or basic training films. Back when I was a boy, I think tuition was a hundred dollars or so a semester. That's when I was an undergraduate in 1958. You could work all summer at five dollars or so a day, and you could earn enough to pay your tuition for a semester. I played for a dance at the Blue Goose in Belfast on Saturday night, which paid ten dollars. Half of that went for rent for my off-campus room, and the other half went for food you could eat for five dollars a week, if you were careful. I heard the talking heads on television tell about President Obama's proposal. Every time they mentioned free college, they ended with, how is he going to pay for it? <laughs> I don't think I've ever said, duh. But when I heard the talking heads ask, how is he going to pay for it? Yes, yes. I said, duh. Anyone who thinks about it knows that free college more than pays for itself. Any inhabitant of Northern Europe will tell you why they are rich and happy. The more education you have, the more money you earn. And the more money you earn, the more you pay in taxes to support health care, education, and the infrastructure. Now, to be sure, in Europe, a war machine doesn't eat up half their country's wealth every year, so they're a little bit ahead of us there. It can be statistically proven that people with educations and good incomes are much less likely to rob grocery stores or collect welfare, which in itself is a great savings to society. Can you hear corporate America's cries of indignation over lost income should it no longer feed and house the largest prison population since the days of Uncle Stalin? Wherever education is popular, a country saves. But many Americans want everything now, today. Too many Americans can't think 20 or 30 years down the road. Our corporations are run to make a profit for that quarter for stockholders. Their ability to compete with China and India and Brazil in five years is not a consideration.
So innovative research is now a thing of the past and is left to our friends in the many countries that are leaving us behind. Enough educated voters could change this. So I'm proud of President Obama for at least suggesting that we bring back free college. Its implementation would certainly be the most efficacious economic stimulus package to be suggested in this country since the days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, which is why I'd bet my Model T Ford in 50 acres of forest that it doesn't stand a chance of being passed by a Republican Congress.
George Mazo. You might remember when he played the jazz concert in Camden years ago. Yes, I was playing there too, so which is why I remember it. Someone wrote in my Facebook, good one, too bad you can't get it in a larger format. Because <laughs> this is my favorite comment for the day. It sounds like my wife who, no matter what mountain I have climbed, says, but, or, too bad you couldn't have, or, why didn't you? Do you know people who could not go an entire day pretending to be completely satisfied with everything? Do you know people who always see the glass half empty instead of half full? Do many of these people live alone? Do you need to ask yourself why?
Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I'm the humblefarmer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. With any luck at all, I'll be back here next week on your favorite station playing old-fashioned music just for you. <gasps> I'd never given this any thought before, but did you know that some people who do not have solar panels on their roof think that solar panels are ugly? <laughs> Would a man married to a hedge fund manager notice what she looked like? 